This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Uh, the day is February 1st. Thursday, it is podcast number 159 on the Mike Masnelli podcast brought to us by Bet Rivers. Uh, in a little bit, uh, we're going to have Keith Pompey, who covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. We haven't had Keith on in a while, uh, but uh, we need to get his perspective on the, the big problem here with the Sixers, which happens to be Joel Embiid and the playoff situation for your Sixers, which right now, I got to be honest with you, I'm very down on it. Uh, and I, I would love to be optimistic about the Sixers. I've kind of been, you know, laying low about the Sixers for most of these podcasts because I really don't know where they are at this point in the hierarchy. I thought that they were going to be a solid third. They're not there right now. And now we have this MB knee situation, which we will uh, uh, go over. And we'll also go over in a little bit uh, the 65-game rule, which uh, obviously players are starting to bitch about. They don't like it. So it's causing a problem inside of a problem. And we'll, we'll try to solve the problem. How's that? I always have uh, uh, the solution for a problem that probably will never, ever, ever happen. But it happens to be my solution. So we'll take care of that uh, a little later. All right. Let me let me just get to the main issue here because, you know, we're going to go back in time. And we're going to talk about why he ducked Denver and and how he injured it against uh, Golden State and uh, maybe he shouldn't have been playing against Golden State. So there's all this chatter going on now with with Joel Embiid, which leads just to to the main point. And the main point is uh, how will this affect the Sixers uh, as they they kind of go try to go on a playoff run? Uh, and and so I'm going to give you a um, this is my conclusion. I know it's February. But I am now very skeptical that this guy will be healthy enough to be a dominant enough player in the playoffs to carry the Sixers to an even Eastern Conference final. All right? That puts them in the same place they have been year after year after year losing in the second round. But the injury situation with this guy, I look at it and I go, okay, um, there are many ways you can look at it. One is that he's soft. The other is that he's really injured. Bottom line comes down to, do you actually think he's going to be healthier when the playoffs roll around? Like all of a sudden, somebody's going to click their fingers and go, wow, he's 100% healthy. He's going to kick your ass in the playoffs 20 times. Because that's what it would take. It would actually take more than 20 times for him. And he would be playing on an every uh, day after basis, but one day arrest and play. Now with his track record, do you see that miraculously happening? Uh, I don't. And that's a pretty pessimistic look at it, but it's a pretty reasonable look at it. Um, 
they first of all, the Sixers are not good enough to win without his dominance. So if you're not going to have his dominance, you're not going to win anyway. Um, you're talking about winning four times per series. Right? I mean, right now, the Sixers have fallen to the fifth spot in the standings. That means they, if they stay in the fifth spot, very likely, if he's going to miss some games, they can't win without him. They're not going to ascend in the standings, right? I don't think they can drop to sixth, but they'll stay in that fifth spot. They'll play the surging Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round. They won't have home court advantage in any series if they finish fifth. So now you're talking about, okay, clear. you can make a case they beat Cleveland with Embiid kind of hobbling around and, and still scoring 30-plus. Guess who the next series would be against if you fall into the fifth spot? The Boston Celtics. It, it, it's like Groundhog Day with this team. It's the same day over and over and over again. And you're going to tell me with Embiid in the condition that he's in, unless there's some miraculous cure, that they're going to beat the Boston Celtics four times when they don't have home court advantage with Embiid not being 100% dominant. All right, if you believe that, uh, you know, I can sell you some land somewhere. Uh, Tomorrow is actual Groundhog Day. It it is. Uh, Okay. Um, You know what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. I I hate to do this. I I, I don't like to, to, to spoil people's fun here. Uh, but I'm so much of a realist, and I've seen so much of this nonsense year after year after year that I can't sell you a bill of goods. So he- here's what's going to happen every other day in the playoffs. So he's going to play well. He's going to then be banged up. He may miss a game, or he may not be 100% and try to skate by that way. Uh, and-, and then, uh, and that's the same thing we saw in the Boston series, right? By the end of that Boston series last year, what was he? He wasn't his dominant self. Now, you could say maybe it was his will was lacking. Maybe his health was lacking. It's always something with him. And that doesn't mean I don't appreciate him. I think he's a great, great player. And that performance that he had the other night when he scored 70 is miraculous. But then I go, he is good enough and healthy enough to score 70. And all of a sudden, it breaks down like a week later. And it starts with the Denver situation. All right. Here's the backdrop of this whole thing. Basketball is a very physically draining sport. It, in fact, is the most physically demanding sport of, of all the professional sports. And people say, well, what about football? Well, fo- yeah, football, you have equipment, and it's rough, and it's dangerous, and all that kind of thing. But it's not as athletically, physically demanding, up and down, cardiovascular, the whole bit. And hockey is, is close, but hockey, at least, you, you have a skate that sometimes – you can glide on. You're not using uh, every bit of your leg power to get up and down the court. Basketball, the cardio effect of it, especially now, with as athletic as this game is, up and down, it, it's taxing. I get it. And his body, a seven foot two, almost 300 pound guy, is going to take a pound in get, getting up and down. I, I have great empathy for the physicality that it takes Joel Embiid to get through the games. But it is what it is. Now, I, w- I always said, I always thought that Joel Embiid should play at a lesser weight than he is. And maybe that's unrealistic. 
But when he first came into the league, he was sleek. He looked more like Bam out of bio than he does Joel Embiid now. Now, maybe it was the natural growth of his body where that's that was he, what he was going to be. He was going to be 7'2", he's going to be 300 pounds, and you could do nothing about it. But I always thought if he played at a lesser weight, it would be less taxing on his joints. Uh, but it's too late for that now. But here's the other part. Joel, God love him, is a diva to the nth degree. And I've had people from the Sixers tell me that uh, he he milks everything. He complains and milks everything to the point where they get when he when he talks sometimes guys like turn their back and they roll their eyes. That's the type of guy he is. He knows how to play drama. Uh, and, and so that's got to be part of it because it, when you're evaluating, I mean, the equation of this Denver Nugget situation, maybe you got to go there. All right. So, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, we're going to find out what this MRI says. And then everything I've just said, you may be able to turn back and smash me in the face with it. Cause if the MRI says that he's really injured, then it's my bad, but let's go back in time. And let's look at the two major issues that we need to talk about now. One is the Denver Nugget issue, and the other is the 65-game rule, which a lot of people think that forced Embiid to play against the Warriors when he really wasn't healthy enough to play. All right, we'll try to get, get through these two issues here. Let's first talk about the Denver Nuggets thing. And Now, there are a lot of people that love to, um, to, to, to stand behind Embiid. Fans like to stand behind MB. And, and so when he misses the Denver Nuggets game, a lot of fans of Embiid and even national media people who seem to be fans of Embiid, they, they're always taking up his cause. They say it's merely a coincidence that he didn't play against Denver. And see, this is the, 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 the evidence of it because he was really hurt. And he couldn't play against Denver, and then he couldn't play against Portland. And then when he tried to play on the injury, this is what happened. He tweaked it more. All right, you can look at it that way. That's fair. However, there's a backstory to this. When you miss the three previous games in Denver and haven't played in that city in three years, I reserve the right to be skeptical about what your reasons are. And I don't think I'm being unfair. If he didn't miss those previous games, I'd go, okay, he's injured. He want to play in Denver. But I look at the other thing, boy, he's certainly comfortable playing against Jokic at home. Why is that? Well, he feels more comfortable at home. He's got the crowd behind him, and he doesn't have to worry about 5,280 feet above sea level, which really hurts some, some teams that go into Denver because they're not used to that whole thing. And maybe he's thinking in the back of his mind, you know what? I'm not going to really look good here because my win's not going to be good. Jokic is going to outplay me. I can't afford to have that happen because I have already left the impression that I dominate his ass when we play him in Philly. And I can't take a chance on any of that, chopping any of that dominance away if I look bad in Denver. It's just a theory. You may agree with it or you may not agree with it. However, it goes to me more beyond coincidence when the guy has missed intentionally three other games in Denver. Is that a coincidence? The three previous games, what's a coincidence and what's not? It's a coincidence that he missed game one, two years ago, three years ago, game two, game three. 
Is that a coincidence? I don't know. I'm just putting it out in in, in the, in the uh, atmosphere for your perusal. All right. Um, let's go to the 65-game rule. Because a lot of people are saying, see that? Look what you did to them. See the criticism that you levied? Uh, and not only did you call him a chicken because he wouldn't play against Jokic in Denver, but but now you're forcing him with this 65-game rule to play because he needs 65 games to be considered for the MVP. All right, let, let's look at that. Um, he comes out against Golden State, uh, and it looked like he was hurt. But when I look at Embiid, I don't know if he's really hurt or not. I can't tell anymore. It's like maybe he was milking it. Maybe he was trying to show the world, look at this, I'm trying to play for y'all, and I'm not really healthy. And so he embellished the injury. He embellished. He, he, knows, he knows how to play drama. And he knows exactly that if he kind of slogs along in this game, the announcers are going to say, oh, look, he's not healthy. And the fans are going to say, oh, look at that, he's not healthy. He knows that's going to happen. Now, maybe he was legitimately hurt, but maybe he was playing the Joel Embiid diva thing, which he does a lot. And it's not that I'm, I don't like the guy. I really like the guy. I think the Sixers need to fortify their team enough around him to win something. They're never going to win without him. So it's not like I don't want him there. I'm just trying to point out some realities of the situation. Now, again, mind you, uh, he was healthy enough a week and a half to go to score 70. I, yeah, I, I don't know what, hap- what happened in a week and a half. I, I, I have no idea, but now he can't play. All right. So anyway, let's get to the 65-game rule. And we're going to talk to Keith Pompey in a minute about this because it's a major issue. And everybody's bitching. All the star players are bitching about it. Um. Here's the thing about uh, the NBA. The NBA has created the biggest player entitlement in the history of sports. Uh, And it is a monster that no longer can be quelled. Once you get to the level of the salaries that these guys are making, you can never pull it back. So when you got guys making max money, 50, 60 million dollars a year, what do you think that does to those guys? It gives them entitlement beyond belief to the point where they can't even recognize themselves as human beings anymore. They recognize themselves as people who sit on a throne who are so much bigger than the game and hence the fans that 65 games is what? You're asking us to play 65 games? So the whole thing has gotten out of whack. They have tried to bring this back by saying, okay, you're disappointing the fans. Fans pay money to go see that guy play. This guy is scratched tonight out of load management. So we're going to put this number in at 65. And now they go, 65, that's not fair for us to play 65. You're going to take us out of an MVP race? It's gotten out of control. It's craziness. All right? So... The players look at it like uh, they have no regard for the fans. They have no regard for the for their own organization. They are a sole practitioner. They are an independent contractor that just happens to play on a team. 
they are bigger than the game. And if they don't feel like playing, they feel no responsibility to play at all. And I'm not, I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming the structure that made them that way. The only way you're going to be able to stop this is a radical solution, which will never happen. But I am filled with radical solutions, so I'm going to give you a couple radical solutions. The only way you can change this thing is, A, reduce the season's amount of games. They play 82 games at a crazy pace. It's the, I already mentioned it's the hardest sport athletically to play. It takes the most out of you. When you're playing 82 games at that kind of pace, up and down, traveling around every other game, four games in six days, all that kind of stuff wears you out. So if you reduce the number of games, maybe players play more games. Maybe they're healthier for the playoffs, the whole thing. But why will that never happen? Do you actually think that, these team owners are going to give up that kind of revenue. And they're going to say, well, you know what? We're going to make it now just a 60-game schedule. And we're going to lose 22 games of revenue just because we want to make the game better. All right, so right away, get, get a Sharpie and cross that solution out because it's ridiculous to think that that would ever possibly happen. The other is that instead of giving awards based on your scoring average, you give the awards based on totals. In other words, the guy that scores the most points, and to score the most points, you have to play the most games, most likely. The guy who scores the most points gets the scoring title. The guy that scores the most points is a, the front runner for the MVP or the guy that gets the most rebounds. And the only way you do that is to accumulate those kind of numbers is you have to play more. And if that really floats your boat, then you will play more. A guy like Embiid's already won an MVP. Is he going to feel the need to play more? Probably not. These guys making $60 million a year. Do you think the MVP means that much to him or does the $60 million mean more? It's the $60 million. So to preserve their legacy, they have to win in the playoffs. To, to win in the playoffs, you have to be rested and healthy enough to win in the playoffs. So what do you do? You shirk the regular season. And oofa to the fans who pay big money in the NBA. It's a big ticket to go watch you play. The solution is not viable. And it's because of the CBA structure that allowed these guys to make max contracts to the point where they're making $60 million a year. And so people say to me, well, Mike, how about if we tweak the CBA? Let me just tell you that the CBA that they have in basketball now does not expire until the year 2029-2030. So there's a lot of time now. And the only way you're going to enact these kind of changes in sport where you go, you know what? The salaries are going to got out of control. The salaries have caused these guys to say, I got to, I'm precious. I'm on a throne. So I don't have to play. The only way you break that down is what you have to shut the game down. Just like in every other sport where there was a strike. In order to get the provisions that you wanted to get, whether it was the owners or whether it was the players, you had to shut down the game. 
and somewhere along the line, you have to convince the NBA players the NBA is in trouble unless we do X. Now, this happened many years ago. It happened in the 1980s when David Stern said, uh, we're hemorrhaging money here. This league is not healthy. So here's what we have to do. We have to put a salary cap structure in the NBA. And at that point, they convinced the players to do it. Can they convince them now to do this? Uh, I don't think so, because this 65-game provision was approved by the Players Association because it was a compromise that the owners wanted. The owners were hearing that their fans were turned off by this whole thing. Their fans are a customer, so they have to make some kind of a change. The Players Association goes along with it. The CB, It's now in the CBA. I guarantee you that that's going to be changed in some form now. But the CBA itself, with the salary cap structures and and the max contract provisions, cannot be changed until the year 2030. (laughs) So that's the state that basketball is in right now. I just gave you two solutions that will never, ever happen. And we're going to be talking about this 65-game thing for forever because every star player is talking about it. How dare you make me play 65 games when I'm not ready or capable mentally or physically to play 65 games? Darren, let me bring you in. I know you get a raspy voice here, but I talked for a long period of time there. So what were your thoughts? Uh, you know, Mike, you're, you're right. There's really no way to fix it without shutting the league down. Um, they did do it before. The NBA, to me, seems like they they have so many rules that you just you you have to go to extremes to get around the salary cap. You have to do it what uh, the Sixers did with basically just tanking a couple years, blowing out your salaries, and getting good draft picks. If you're in cap hell, there's no other way around that. You have this situation now with the 65 game rule. And the load management that there's no other way around. So, you know, I hate to use the expression, but the Indians are or are, are run the run the the teepee, and that's what happens in this league. First of all, it's Native yeah. Americans. Uh, yeah, at this point, come on, Native Americans. The, my the Indians are running the teepee. Is what you just said? <laughs> yeah. Well, the workers oh, are running the, the company as opposed to the Chiefs. That's the problem. They have too much power. Players in the league and a lot of leagues have gotten too much power and they can just sit out whenever they want. And, and, you know, as a fan, how could you buy season tickets to the NBA? It's nothing like the NBA. There's no other sport that compares to, to the NBA and the entitlement that the players in the NBA feel. It's not the same in football. It's not the same in hockey. It's not the, it's not the same in baseball. They're playing 162 games in baseball. They, they do give them a couple days off, but it's not, it's not labeled as load management. Well, I never really said that the NBA was, was, wasn't the only one. I just think it's the worst in the NBA. It is the only one. They don't do this in football. They don't do this in hockey. They, do. they don't do this in basketball. Well, there's also only 60 I mean, in baseball? Baseball, you don't have injuries like you do in basketball. It's not that easy to to just have a guy sit out. Why would you have a guy in baseball do load management? For what? Well, they do it sometimes. They give a day off to a guy. But, again, it's 162 games. And you're right. It's not as physically taxing. But uh, let's go back to the Embiid situation now. 
Now, I said a lot of things about MB just now. Um, how do you feel about this whole situation with him? And how do you feel about where it leads the Sixers this year? Well, yeah, I think they're in a bad spot, Mike. What are you going to do? Run him out there every three or four games with a tender knee? They have, they're going to have to shut him down for an extended period of time based upon the MRI results today. There's no other way around that. All right. He's suppose the MRI hurt. results say there's no structural damage. I'd be surprised. I'll say that because the other night, like that wasn't him just saying, oh, I don't feel like playing anymore. Like he went down. His knee, I think he's hurt, really hurt. Wait, wait, that's there's a two bigger there's issue. Two, there's two different situations here. One is the end of sore knee. The other is when Kaminga fell on him. So which one are we talking about? They're not the when, same. When They're not the same lame. thing. When he pulled up lame under the basket. Okay, but then later he, Kaminga fell on him, and that's when he got out of the game. I, I think it was hurting him already is my point. 20, okay, 50, so if it was hurting him already, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. The Sixers training staff said he didn't look good when he was warming up for the Denver game, so we had to scratch him. Now, wouldn't they have made the same evaluation prior to that Warriors game? Yes, I believe that, and I believe he was under pressure to get in the game. And it was that. So you're more on Embiid's side here. A little bit. I I am. But the the bigger issue, Mike, is how many more years are we going to deal with this? I know he's arguably a top reality. He's not going to get any healthier. And and he's not going to be, you know, have magic tonic to make him healthy throughout the playoffs. So what I'm trying to get from you is where does this season go? You have to shut him down and hope for the best. No, at the end, where does it go? Where does it go at the end? What's the end result of this season? The end result is they get, they lose to Boston in the second round. Okay, so again, what we're not. saying here is they lose in the second round. Yeah, whether he's healthy or not, they're going to lose to Boston. Well, if he's healthy, they might not. You probably think they can compete with Boston. They're supposed, they're supposed to be deeper this year. Well, you're the hoop head, are they? Yeah, they're definitely deeper. I don't know if they're deeper to the point where guys make that much of a difference. But they can play a lot of guys and absorb some minutes with guys more I than they could they're before. Coached. I think they're better coached. I just don't think they can. I just think he, well, you he know this. I, I, Unless they get a third player, like how are how are they better coached? Oh, I don't know. They're not giving up massive leads in the fourth quarter. Every they got year. seventeen losses. They're in fifth place. Well, they've had a lot of injuries. Maxie hasn't played in a week. Okay. They've lost like I mean, seventeen of those losses. I, you know, I got a third of them are in the last. I'm week. not totally convinced that they're better coached. I, I really don't. I know a lot of people love Nick Nurse. I look up and they get, I get, they got seventeen losses. They can't win at all when Embiid's not on the floor. So how good a, co- a coach are we doing? What are we talking about here? Well, I, you know, the last week you haven't had Embiid or Maxi, and sometimes not even Tobias. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. It's the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty, our next guest on the Mike Misnelli podcast is going to be, be able to explain better the situation with the Sixers and Joel Embiid. He is the award-winning writer, reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, covering the Sixers now for many years. The great Keith Pompey joins us. How you doing, Keith? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, yeah, we haven't had you on in a while, and this is the day that we needed to have you on. So, uh, first of all, do you have? Uh, can you share any information about 
the MRI and what it revealed for Joel. Now, the thing is, they're, they're, they're being a little tight-lipped right now on that. But the thing that I don't know if it, I should say concerns me a little bit is that, you know, they went back to Philadelphia and they wanted to get a second doctor's opinion on whatever it is, get it looked at. And, you know, I'm assuming they took them back to the, you know, the team doctor and, and had them check it out. Now, I also don't believe that Joel Embiid was going to play in tonight's game in Utah based off of that injury. But to me, you know, it, it looked like it could possibly be a bone bruise or it could have, he could have hyperextended it a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where they've been extremely tight-lipped right now. But when you say you have to go through further evaluation, you know, sometimes that can be a little concerning to me. All right, let's just uh... – say that it's just you know the regular maintenance for his knee and he's got problems with it and he's always had problems with it and and he has to kind of you know rest up get his way through it uh but this is now several years of this and so how how optimistic or like how can we expect that he's going to be well enough to play maybe 20 playoff games where you have to play every other day at a very high level competition you know, that's a great question. I mean, I, I don't know if you can, I mean, at this particular time, and that's not a knock on Joel, but I, I think it's like the huge unknown. And, and what you're saying about is, I mean, you would hope that he would, but what you're saying is true. I mean, they're playing basically every other day. I mean, the only off day you get is sometimes it's a travel day, right? Um, once you get to it and it's going to be more minutes um, and, and guys are going to be banging against him. So, you know, for him, you hope that he can do it, but at the same time, and when you look at the things that have happened in the past, like you said, several years of this, you know, you have to uh, have your fingers crossed if you're the Sixers coaching staff or a fan of the 76ers, because, you know, it, it's going to be the unknown be- because of this. And it's always, and unfortunately for him, it's been a lot of knee injuries. It's almost like a hopeless situation at this point that you're hoping, like, we know that he's not going to be miraculously cured. You know, like it's not it's he's not going to be the fresh MB that came into the league uh, as they go into the playoffs. But here's the dilemma now, Keith. The Sixers are in the fifth spot. That's not a good spot because they won't have home court advantage in any any of the playoff series. So the, you, you the perfect thing is, oh, yeah, let's just rest into the playoffs. But you've seen that before where if, if, when he's not playing regularly, that doesn't help him cardio wise. Uh, and we've seen him get exhausted uh, in certain situations. How should the Sixers play this? You know, but, but you know what? I, I think a little bit in between, I mean, of the two. Like, I, I get what you're saying, and, and it makes a lot of sense. And I didn't think about that. Like, whenever he takes an extended period off, he comes out out of shape. But I, I think that forget about getting MVP, forget about all NBA. I think they got to pick their spots and they got to rest this guy. Because, you know, as as much as – they can be the number three seed and he could play. He could play whatever. That doesn't guarantee that they're, they're going to get out of the second round, right? I feel like if he's number five spot, they're number five spot, but if MB comes in rested and his condition is in optimum shape, right, it has to be that way, I think that's the only way that they're going to win in the playoffs. But, you know, you're right. You can't shut it completely down, but – you know, you have to look at it like, hey, he's going to miss several games. Like, you know, if there's three games a week or four games a week, he's only playing in two of them. 
I mean, you know, that's that's just how it's going to have to be. Uh, and, and it puts them in a dangerous spot because the second round, if, if this is what happens and they stay in fifth, it, it will be against Boston. And if they finish third, it, it wouldn't be against the Celtics in the second round. So, I mean, I, I, I would think that that would be a consideration also. But I guess you're right. you got to now take your chances. His health is more important than who you're going to play in the second round. Exactly. And, Mike, let's be real. Like, if you take Joel Embiid off this team, do you have faith that they – will get out of the second round? Do you have faith that they'll get out of the first round? You know, so, I mean, we're, we look at it like the funny thing is everybody's talking about how he scored 70 points, but that was a competitive game that he scored those 70 points in. Now, granted, guys were feeding him the ball, but at the same time, that just tells you his importance to the 76ers. Yeah, I, listen, I I don't like to uh, – uh... It put some shade on Joel, but I, I've seen it so many times during his career that he really knows how to milk drama, uh, and and in a lot of ways he could be a diva. So I, like, I don't know this Denver situation. I don't know what to make of it because there's a, there's a track record of him missing that game. And if there wasn't that, I would say okay, then fine. He was hurt. He missed the game. Like how did how does that come out with you? You know what? When it when it first happened, you know, like, well, I was in Indiana and I saw it and I was like, wow, this guy can't move. And and I know for a fact, like, well, after the game, it took him forever to get out of the locker room. He was getting treatment, but he was trying to make it seem like he was talking to someone. But he was in the, he was in the trainer's room and I asked him about his mobility in his knee. And that's the first time he said to me, like, yeah, I, I got to get through it. Normally he's like, I'll be OK. I'll be OK real quick. And when to change the subject. So he opened up a little bit, but the way that the whole thing went down, I'm like, come on, really, dude? Like, you know, you're on the, you're supposed to be able to play and then you don't play. Right. And you're like, come on, really? Like, really? Like what's going on? Could be, but I'm going to tell you this, when I saw him playing against, um, and initially I thought when they, when they played against Portland, he didn't play. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's not going to play because then people are going to say if he played, then he was milking it and da-da-da. Yeah, he so, had to miss that Portland game too. Yeah, yeah, he had to. So when he got on the, on the court and against uh, Golden State and I saw him get ready to jump one time and fell to the ground because he couldn't lift, and I saw just how he was standing in the perimeter – doing what he used to do, just shooting threes and shooting stuff from the outside. It was like to a point like, yo, get him out the game. Like, seriously, he looks bad. He looked like a boxer who was five years past his prime trying to get paid and got knocked out. Like, I'm serious. That's what he looked like. Like, he did. And it was it was hard to watch. So that brings me back. I know it's long-winded, but it brings me back to that Denver thing. And I honestly feel like, Joel really wanted to play against Denver because he knew what everyone was saying about him. And then it got to a point where he couldn't go and he said he couldn't do it. And the reason why he came back against Golden State is because guess what? Everyone's talking bad about him. They're calling him soft. They're doing this. They're doing that. And, you know, you know what, Mike? You can say Joel is a diva. You can say whatever everybody, you know, some people don't like him. But I'll be honest with you, I kind of felt bad for him when I went in the locker room after the uh, um, after the Golden State game because, dude, it was crazy. I mean, like the stuff that you see, you don't see on TV. There was one point where it was after the end of the first quarter 
where Joel walks into the locker room. Now, he has this big brace or pad on his knee, and he has, like, team security and the medical, somebody on the medical team with him walking with him. And then in the middle of the second quarter, while the game was going on, he comes out of the locker room, but he has to walk, like, in the second row around all these fans. And it looked like, no lie, man, it looked like an ex-champion who was like defeated with a towel on or over him, you had to feel sorry for him, but he kept wanting to play. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like that was the first time where I looked at it like, you know what? This is a guy out here trying to prove people wrong when he had nothing and yeah. he kept coming. I'll definitely defer to you on that. You were close to the situation. You saw, yeah. it, saw it happen. Um, and, and, it was bad. and, you know, but see, again, I, I hear that and I go, well, well well, we we're hoping for like something unrealistic that uh, he's going to like emerge out of out of a you know, bust through a door and be Superman at, when the playoffs start. And, and that's the sad part about it, because this fan base is going to be taken through the same thing. I agree. And, and Mike, the one thing that and I hate to spring this up, but we go through this annually. Um, January has always been phenomenal for the Sixers going back to Brett Brown with Doc Rivers and them you know sometimes you know you go on Facebook and you like click on something from a year ago and there'll be an article that I've written saying wow the Sixers are rolling the Sixers are hot and then all of a sudden he gets injured or or something else happens right so it's one of those things where I, I feel like um you know people in Philadelphia we get caught up with this team from month to month but we don't realize it's kind of like we're reading the same uh, chapter over and over and over again. And you're right. You know, right now I'm looking at it, you know, you're saying his health, he's a phenomenal player, but it's all predicated on his health. And when he doesn't play, unlike last season, they're not very good. They're not very uh, successful. And then you look at him, he's not the only one banged up right now too. So, you know, this team has a lot of concerns you know, heading to the playoffs because at the end of the day, they're sliding in the wrong direction. Uh, just quickly, I wanted to ask you about the 65 game thing, which has become a hullabaloo around the league because stars are coming out going, I, I didn't really want to prove that. I think that's ridiculous. They're all coming out. So when, 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 when most important NBA players start doing that, you, you know there's going to be some kind of tweak. First of all, A, how do you feel about the player's reaction to that? Because it shows absolutely no regard for fans at all that their attitudes. And B, what do you think the league will do in response to it? You know, the, the player's reaction to that isn't surprising to me. And know why? Because some guys before it was like, I mean, 15 games, that's all right. I can do that. Then guys start getting hurt. And now all of a sudden, these are guys who are in line to make all NBA. So now they're losing out on $50 million, right? Halliburton is one guy in particular. So, yeah, now the guys are like, man, we didn't sign up for that. So, like, because because they know, like, in the in the end, they're losing out because your money is based off of if you make all NBA or not. So I'm not surprised. B, I think it's going to get changed. I do. Because I think that when it comes down to something, it is a player's league. And, again, they need to get – they, they need to uh, talk to their player reps because they're the ones who voted and, uh, and we're finding out that they didn't call them. So that's not really good. 
but at, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I do feel like it's going to it's going to um, change because let's face it, if Joel Embiid and Tyrese Halliburton are two of the best top five guys in the league right now, well, neither one of them are going to be first team All NBA. So then all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, you made first team all NBA, but it was an asterisk to it. Like you made it because such and such didn't play enough games. So I think that's going to be a bad look for the for the league. You know, when you start getting these certain guys, you know, uh, making these teams, but um, they didn't deserve it. You know, and, and we're talking about first team. Joel won't even make third team, nor will Halliburton if they don't play. So. It's kind of like a. I think that's not what the league yeah. really wants. Don't mess with their money. Don't mess with their money. <laughs> it's, it's hysterical to me. And I was saying earlier in, in this broadcast that the only thing will, that will change this whole thing is to reduce the amount of games in the season. And I know that will never have a chance to happen. Nah, nah, it won't. <laughs> no, owner, owners aren't going to give up their money either. Mm. All right, man, listen. Thanks for coming on for a, for a, a period of time. Good to see you again and uh, continue doing a great job. You got to have to write a lot of drama coming down the stretch here, Keith. It's crazy, man. You thought it would change after the process, right? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. Thanks much to the great Keith Pompey for joining us with his insights as he covers the 76ers. Uh, boy, not an optimistic time for the Sixers. Um, is it an optimistic time for the Eagles? Right, they've got the two coordinators on board, but hey, look at a controversy happening this week with uh, A.J. Brown and uh, Devontae Smith being on a podcast, Kay Adams' podcast, where um, a lot of people are reading into what was said in the podcast, and basically what was said is, eh, everything's okay, we just ran out of time, and, and you know, whatever. Uh, but the, there, there's a bigger story here because uh, A.J. Brown is a, is a very interesting character. Uh, he, he's not quite the T.O. level, but he's fairly close. Uh, and he knows how to stir it up as well. Uh, this was a topic that was stirred up on Sports Talk Radio. Though. So I want to bring Darren in here since I really don't listen to Sports Talk Radio uh, anymore. So uh, apparently there was a caller on uh, a talk radio station that um, – said that maybe it'd be a good idea to trade A.J. Brown uh, for various reasons. And then the, the host kind of went with it. And then uh, it became a rumor that the Eagles were interested in, in trading uh, A.J. Brown. Listen, he's, he, there's no way that they're going to trade him. He's still one the, uh, the, probably the best player on the team. And for all the clout they've lost now in the offseason, they, they can't very well lose that. But, Darren, I know you were annoyed by this uh, for a certain reason. So explain to the people, your, your beef has more to do with Sports Talk Radio and the mechanisms of Sports Talk Radio where callers can actually create something of controversy, right? Yeah, it kind of, it, it bewilders me, right? So, and I've worked in sports radio for 20 years. Um, I've never seen, and by the way, there is no way, no way that A.J. Brown is getting traded. Absolutely not. But it just, it's amazing to me that a caller calls up a random midday show makes the suggestion and the host goes, you know, that's a good idea. And then just proceeds to talk about it for two days. And then it becomes a national story. Like some reporter heard from a source within the team that it's a possibility of trading him. It's bizarre to me. Like uh, what the yeah, hell has happened to our media? Well, what is listen, going on with the media in this world right the, now? 
this is really the reality of sports talk radio where um, you need content and that's content i i i don't I know I don't all about mind. that i don't i don't my mind problem isn't when... with the show talking about it my problem is that news outlets pick it up and say wow you know, they're on k adams is a national show like <laughs> How the hell does it get but, there? But see, stuff on social media is picked up as real, and, and sometimes yeah. it's not. It's just a different world. I laugh at it. But if I'm doing a sports talk radio show and a guy brings something like that up, I go, wow, maybe I can milk this for a little content. Let's see how people feel about it. And you get the conversation flowing. I mean, it's the essence of sports talk radio. Well, like I said, I get that, and that's not my problem. My problem is people taking it as an actual rumor and story that's out there to a national level. Wow. That's if AJ Brown. If AJ Brown is traded, then what you're gonna what are you gonna say? I'm gonna say the Eagles made a bad move. That's what I'm <laughs> okay. Saying. All right. Uh, so that's uh, all on the Eagles front. Is uh, not much football content. This this is that bland week where we got to wait de- several days till we get to some Super Bowl chat. Uh, but the, the Flyers are, are they're not really a topic other than. What is going on? Because a lot of people are reacting to uh, the Carter Hart and being one of the guys that uh, was uh, had to turn himself into the police in in London, Ontario, over this uh, junior hockey uh, scandal, uh, sexual assault. Um, and um, see, here's here's the thing. Uh, and well, here's the question w- with it: even if he is exonerated. And you know what's going to happen now in a case like this where you get lawyers involved representing those five hockey players. They're going to make the case where they're going to disparage the the woman's character. They're going to say it was consensual. They're going to say it's her word against theirs. They're going to say, how could how could she identify who these players specifically were? She uh, she was drunk, et cetera, et cetera. That's something they'll ferret out in, in, in the court system. My question to you is this. Because this is what people are asking on social media. Is Carter Hart done with the Flyers? So if, if he is exonerated, and that's the only way that, that this would be a question, uh, if he is exonerated, could he come back as a Flyer? Is he done as a Flyer, even if he's exonerated? Mike, there's no power. There's no higher power than the court of public opinion. So I think it'd be really tough them to bring him back on four and then look look you got the punter in buffalo matter raise i think his name was perfect situation right awful awful you know charges proven Exon- and he was exonerated and he doesn't have a job Steve, he still have, nobody now, will touch him and he was the best we have position. we do have a frame of reference in the city though because the phillies did bring back odubel herrera there was a lot of consternation they gave him a chance to actually play for the team. And after a while, people kind of accepted it. I never did. I think, I didn't think there was any way they should have brought him back, but Kareem they Hunt did. is another, another example. Kareem Hunt with the, the hotel, the girl in the hotel. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you're saying no way the flyers are in a position where they have to completely move forward. I think they have the to re, they have to rebuild it and they, you could not uh, withstand this kind of thing. I, I think the fa- the chances of them moving on from him are far greater than bringing yeah. him back. I think you're you're right about it, and I would make the same move if I was Danny Briere and Keith Jones. Uh, all right, uh, it is time now for Mike Unleashed. Mike Unleashed has some unusual stories today, uh, and we're going to start with the the story of the Lamborghini guy. Did you read this story? 
<laughs> Hold on a second. Let, let me get it here for you. Uh, okay. Um, the uh, um, There's a beautician in Italy who claims that she's the heir to Lamborghini after she collected DNA from her sister's drinking straw. Apparently, uh, um, my man, uh, uh, Torino Lamborghini, 76, uh, maybe had a a little illicit uh, uh, one-night stand with a beautician, which produced a child, and the child uh, investigated uh, and found a straw that uh, legitimate uh, Lamborghini's legitimate daughter was from, and the DNA matched. Oofa, I say. With the, with the, <laughs> with the, with the Lamborghini, he was, oh, he was a dipping his oh. pen in the wrong ink. Well, <laughs> I just watched the movie Ferrari, Michael Mann's new movie. It's the same story. Her name he is Flavia Bor- Borzoni. And she claims she had irrefutable evidence, and it turned out the DNA match. So, uh, my man, uh, my man Lamborghini, uh, he, you, you always look at it on the bright side. He can always get get in one of his cars and hop the country <laughs> and get, just roar out of Italy. He can go he to be on the autobahn in no time. <laughs> All right. Anyway, good luck with that, Mister Lamborghini. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, here's a, a story that could hit home a little bit. Uh, A sorority girl from the College of Charleston uh, is the girlfriend of Mark Andrews. And uh, uh, she posts a heartfelt note uh, after the Ravens lost for her beau, Mark Andrews. Uh, The girl is from Morristown, New Jersey, Darren. Her name is Elena Yates. Yeah, and I don't she know her later. She's in the sorority going out with a 28-year-old tight end. How's that? Uh, how's that work? Is that all right? I think uh, that... this will be the third time on the show we say, oofa. <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah, she's a good looking girl. Yeah. Uh she's 21 and she's in a sorority. Andrews is 28, and he's an NFL football player. I don't know. What do you think of that? Uh, well, age wise, it's going in the dorm at the University College of Charleston. And uh, yeah, I would love to know how they met. That's a little odd. Does it say how they met? The article didn't say how they met. They started dating last summer uh, and they spent their first Christmas together in December, she said in a TikTok video. I Uh, might have met on vacation somewhere. She went to her, he went to her sorority's winter formal. She's a member of Delta, Delta, <laughs> Delta. Or as we knew it at Penn State, Delta, Delta, Delta was a very, very attractive lady fraternity. Try Delt. Try. You know, we, we try to date a Try Delt. Well, try Delt, bad, girls. Hey. There you go. There's, there's Mark Andrews. And then uh, here's a, a, another uh, a story here. I want to know how you feel about this because you are a uh, father of, uh, of young uh, girls uh, that go to school. All right. This is a Florida mom was booted from the school's pickup area because she is a member of OnlyFans and she has a big OnlyFans decal, oversized car decal on her car as she's picking up her young kids from this private school. And the private school people balked about it and they said, you can no longer bring that car up here because it's embarrassing to the school 
which is kind of a Christian school. It's called Liberty Christian Prep School. And uh, so they banned her from actually. So she has to park across the street and have the kids walk, walk to her. <laughs> your, your, your opinion of this? Well, I will say this. Legally, the school has no right. I mean, she can put whatever she wants on her window. But she, she ought to know better. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't want to have it. My girls are, are 11 and 14, so I could have a discussion. But if they were younger, I don't think I would, would want to have to explain to them what OnlyFans is because OnlyFans didn't start out to be like a porn site, but now it pretty much that's all it is. So uh, I don't, she, I, um, she, uh, the, the, the mother um, clears 20000 a month, and here's her quote. It's only me and my husband. No one else is brought in, male or female. We always were into cameras in our bedroom. So we said, hey, let's make some money uh, off of this. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Now, does only fans pay you for putting a decal on? Is that you know, like, why would you do Probably that otherwise, not. unless they're paying? To promote herself. You could, still, you could do that. Self just not have a decal on the car. You can do the, anything in the privacy of your own home. Why would you put a decal? I, I can only assume that OnlyFans pays them to promote OnlyFans. Perhaps. I mean, it's, it's self-marketing, right? But the only people she's promoting herself to, realistically, are the people that live in her town, that know her personally. Yeah, she's but not she's driving up the, and down to PCH. The company. What, what I'm saying is the decal is there for a certain reason. She must be making some money off the decal as well. Otherwise, why would she put it on? There's no reason for her to put it on. She can have the, anything she wants in the privacy of the bedroom and still have her OnlyFans right. account. She doesn't have to advertise it. No, she doesn't. She not. must be getting paid for it. All right. That's uh, Mike Unleashed. All right. Uh, a little quick thing before we get to three questions from Mikey Miss. There are uh, there. This is uh, is this kind of a three que- one question for Darren. Um, there are three doors. You have to choose one of the doors. Door number one, you you find your soulmate. Door number two, you get a hundred million dollars. Door number three, you you go in a time machine. Which door are you choosing? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I think I would. Well. No, you know what? I'd be happiest with a soulmate. Oh I would, because money, money doesn't buy happiness. Oh I my know. God, you're taking the yeah. soulmate over $100 million? Are you insane? Yeah. There's only one answer to this question. One answer. The time machine. Well, you would go back to find out why you're not a millionaire. So I take the $100 million anywhere and get the time machine. Why do I go to a time machine? And the I got, soulmate, $100 million, $100 million you can happy. buy any soulmate in America for crying out loud. <laughs> Mike, I go on two vacations a year. I spend 13 other weekends on the beach, and I don't make $100 million. You've got to be kidding me, man. That you I drive an $80,000 million dollar door. There's only one answer to this. All right. All right. That's the end of Mike Unleashed. What are three questions for Mikey Miss today? All right. Three quarters of Mikey Miss. I'll battle through with my voice here. Um, I like to play old music artists for my daughters <clears throat> to introduce them to good music. I was listening. I had them listen to David Bowie last week. Mike, if you could bring any musical artist that has passed away back to life, who would it be? Prince. You didn't even bat an eye on that answer. No. That's a good Brilliant. answer. I mean, you guys, right. Listen, I, 
I like Bowie too, but Prince is the to me the most brilliant musician ever. So I would bring him back in a heartbeat. Good answer. Question number two for Mikey Miss: Super Bowl's coming up. Give me a good or bad lasting impression or memory of a Super Bowl as a journalist. I, I don't have. I never covered a Super Bowl. Well, You've been maybe at them. I covered one. I can't remember. I, I don't. Super Bowls are, don't resonate with me like they resonate with other people. I really don't remember one Super Bowl to the next. So that's not a really good question for me. <laughs> I don't. They they don't resonate. It's like what happens, like the the controversies prior to a Super Bowl are what resonate with me. Like the the Green Bay Packer wide receiver, who uh, uh, what was his name? You remember his name? Was it Antonio? Somebody got into trouble before the. I'm thinking of the Falcons safety, the Atlanta Falcons safety, Eugene Robinson. They got in a lot of yeah. trouble the night before. That's the one I was thinking of. There was a Barrett Robbins who played for the Raiders that got in trouble. Eugene yeah. Robinson was was one of them. Yeah, well, he, right. he was a receiver, though. No, he, he was played. a safety. Eugene Robinson was – oh, you're talking about a receiver. I'm Eugene talking Robinson about one of the receivers. Uh, but anyway, um, that's what I remember, yeah. those kind of controversies more than anything. Yeah. Okay. You know, I remember the, the Joe Montana, Dwight Clark yeah, thing. Was that Super Bowl? The catch. That was yeah, that was the NFC Championship game. NFC Championship. See, I don't even know what Super Bowl that <laughs> is. I'm not like you. You 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 hang on football moments. I don't. I do. I do. All right. Question number three, Mike. Uh, I, I just got back from uh, Vermont. My my best friends, as you know, owns a mountain <laughs> next to Mount Snow uh, in Vermont, and in that town, Wilmington, Westover, there's a lot of really good dive bars. I'm a dive bar guy, a good old dive bar. What is your favorite type of bar? Is it a lounge, cigar bar? You have to go to a spot for a night with buddies. Where are you going? What kind of bar? I go to a classy bar. Like I go to a bar. I, I go to a restaurant bar. Like, you know, I, I used to go to dive bars when I was younger. But like as, as I've gotten older, I like to go to a nice, like maybe a steakhouse bar. Uh, you know, something that looks really uh, mahogany-esque, you know? That's that's my type of uh, bar. They sit there and have a, a, a dirty martini with the uh, brass and mahogany and uh, and people uh, having dinner and stuff like that. I, I love those type of bars, too, uh, but I do have an affection for good old dive bars. And that's three questions. For my All course. right, there you go. That's three questions. It's time to close it down for today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I know we were very chatty today, at least I was. But, uh, you know, it's the Sixer thing. It's, it's kind of aggravating because it's going to lead to the same conclusion. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we go into every season hoping that there's going to be some kind of a change. But then the reality smacks you when the new year comes in and then in February and they start worrying. Now, there is a trade deadline that's coming up in a couple days. So hold on to your hats. The whole perspective may change. If they can make a deal here, and I think they definitely have to make a deal. Uh, or you can reach me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. I'd love to hear from the people. Uh, you can also uh, check me out on Twitter, MikeMiss25. And uh, if you want a personal shout-out, just go to Cameo.com and uh, put my name in there, and uh, I'll give you a personal shout-out, send you a video. That'd be cool, and we'll have a lot of fun. Uh, for Darren, uh, Mike, have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, we'll be back uh, uh, with you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.